This is The Causes of Things, and I'm your host, Michael O'Fallon. Man, wrote Aristotle more than 2,300 years ago, is a political animal. Today, that seems particularly evident. The proliferation of mass social movements, the ever-present yet radical nature of contemporary political commentary on all forms of mass media, the constant demand to engage in a seemingly Maoist form of cultural revolution of out with the old, in with the new, with the destruction of every significant part of the glue that holds our civilization together, is under constant attack. The 24-hour progressive news cycle and our penchant for politicizing everything all lend prima facie support to the idea that humans are helplessly activists. But Aristotle was not simply observing that we are all inherently drawn towards boycotts, protests, and culture wars. He was observing, quite rightly, that we as humans are strongly inclined towards social connection. We need some sense of collective commitment, not just individual liberty. To be fulfilled, and these commitments must be forged in either what is correspondently true in moral virtue, which was true in Christian communities that held personal accountability, and personal holiness as the guiding principles of society, and even up to the three branches of government within the United States, swearing our oaths, so help me God, with our hand firmly upon the standard of immutable truth. Or in the case of the new progressive movement, what is self-created, even sometimes fallacious, is passed off as moral virtue. This understanding of human virtue lies at the core of what is called community, a social perspective emphasizing virtue and civil society, largely transcending the traditional divisions of left and right. But, but let's say you or a number of men and women would like to overthrow the current hierarchical structure that constitutes our society, our nation, or our civilization. How would you do it? How would you overthrow what has been in place for hundreds and sometimes even thousands of years? What strategic framework would you use to completely destroy the Judeo-Christian framework that serves as the bedrock foundation of our nation and our civilization? Let's first realize that our nation is built upon Judeo-Christian principles, built upon individual liberty, autonomy, and with the concept of our being a democratic republic for the people and by the people. When the Declaration of Independence states, we hold these truths to be self-evident, 
it specifically refers to a Romans chapter 1 sense of man, through general revelation and created in the Imago Dei. The founders understood this, and in their attempt to frame the new nation with the dignity and liberty of the individual and the family unit, father, mother, children, as the autonomous unit of self-governance in our society. This concept of the family, and a family that is governed by a Christian framework of morality, is what the concept of the United States was built upon. The idea of America. So let's pause for a moment. Let's fast forward a few hundred or so years. What if you were a powerful person, or an organization, that was seeking to subvert or deconstruct the current laws of the United States, our Constitution, our way of life? Our way of life, in total, even down to the most fundamental of all of our human governmental hierarchies, the family. How would you do it? Well, it's been done for many years, successfully. And most citizens of nations don't realize that they have had their entire nation and way of life ripped out from underneath them by politicians and oligarchs until it's too late. So, what is it that is being done to deconstruct our nation? Van Jones, the progressive current political commentator and former Green Jobs Advisor to the Obama White House, stated the following at the NOW campaign for America's future back in 2010. Our governing move is three things, top-down, bottom-up, and inside-out. We need to work on the middle and the bottom. Government will handle the top-down, but it's also bottom-up and inside-out. So now you're challenged as you leave here, as he spoke to the audience. Your challenge is to take care of that bottom part and that inside-out part, the heart part. So Van Jones gave a brief truncated version of what's going on. A complete understanding of the strategy for complete and societal social change would be as follows. Number one, top down. Political change through the election of or placement of individuals into office as lawmakers or law enforcers, who are dedicated to societal, hierarchical, and economic structural change. Number two, bottom-up. Grassroots, or more often, astroturf, mass reflexive movements that utilize fertile fallacies to gather large groups to demand immediate change, normally to appeal to the top-down legislators for immediate change in law. 
Number three, side to side. Change stemming from socio-technical disruption characterized by systemic innovation. Think about changes in social media, the constraints on freedom of expression or speech. Now, many times, this number three, side to side, is rolled into number four, which is inside out. The middle. Change stemming from contemplative practices, seeking transformative changes to our ends as well as our means. The psychological, spiritual, cultural, national underpinnings of all the other forms of social change. Often they're contemplative or reflective in spirit. And they're targeted mostly at major nationally held assumptions. There's an immunity to change and refusal to accept progressive or globalist change. For this to work, this must change. If imposed and allowed to flourish, this particular strategic methodology has been nearly unbeatable. Think of the Velvet Revolution in the Czech Republic, the Orange Revolution in the Ukraine, the Rose Revolution in Georgia, along with the coups in Slovakia, Croatia, and in many years ago, Yugoslavia. So what is the target now for this societal change strategy? It's the United States of America and the institutions that hold our great nation together. So let's look at this with a bit more detail. First, let's start with number one, top-down. You would want to ensure that your progressive candidates are placed or elected into office, no matter what the cost. Ensure that these office holders push for and pass legislation that either nullifies the Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights, or other laws meant to protect the right of self-governance of our citizens. Ensure that your candidates do whatever is necessary to push for concepts such as eugenics, which would include abortion, intersectionality, grievance legislation, and the ad absurdum conclusions of unconstitutional hate crime laws. Number two, bottom up. Never let a crisis go to waste. And when there is no crisis available, create a crisis. Create organizations that will balkanize the country all while insisting on equity. And remember that equity means guaranteed equal outcomes. Insist on the equity-based hierarchies instead of competency-based models and hierarchies. Fund and organize mass movements against whatever the cause du jour may be for the moment that combined with a fertile fallacy will demand immediate legislative change from your top-down comrades. Think of the teens from the Parkland, Florida shooting in the massively funded and coordinated March for Our Lives. Think of the Black Lives Matter movement, which was heavily financed by Open Society's foundation and based upon unsupported and downright false narratives of the Michael Brown shooting and all of the supporting evidence against Mr. Brown. 
Think of the hashtag MeToo movement, which is placing fear in men's minds of even being cordial to a woman or causing great consternation to even ask a woman out on a date. I want you to really think of the real complications and consequences of this movement. Think of the Russian collusion narrative that was completely based upon lies, false reporting, phony calls for justice, all to subvert the will of the American people. Think of the giant narrative surrounding migrants and separating children from their families at the border. When this very policy was put in place by the Obama administration to try and stem the tide of child sex trafficking. And now, it's being blamed on Donald Trump. Think of all the brouhaha created over false and fabricated stories of conservatives acting poorly against racial minorities, while violence is being encouraged against Trump-voting conservatives, pro-life protesters, and patriotic Americans. The demand that anyone who does not toe the line of the new progressive dogmatics is that they be shut down and taken off of social media, silence, and sent into the new virtual progressive purgatory. That's bottom up. The fertile fallacy that creates the reflexive wheel, which in turn starts the false narrative that everyone reacts to, and then demands change from the top. Reflexivity. The Pygmalion effect. The effect that ignores the need for a cause. That's bottom up. Now let's combine numbers three and four, side to side and inside-out change. The one thing that is completely different about the United States is that we have a strong national pride. We have patriotism that is in many ways informed by that national pride. We also have arts, culture, and sports. Most importantly, what separates us from much of what you would see in Europe or Asia is that we have faith Faith that holds us together. This is the middle, the glue that holds all sorts of different ethnic and belief systems together. So if your intention was to shatter this nation to bits, how do you apply a solvent to unstick this glue? Here's what you do. If you are able during eight to nine years of educating young men and women, you convince them that they are all victims of white systemic oppression, of misogyny and various phobias. You convince them that the nation that gives them their personal rights, their freedoms, their equality, that this nation is the greatest threat to humanity. You convince them all that white people are against them, and that this nation was founded by white men that hated them, then you start to break the union, literally. Convince them to hate the United States. Teach them to hate their own liberty, their own freedoms. Convince them to tear down every statue, not just of Confederates, but of Jefferson, Washington, 
and even Lincoln. You want them to burn the past. Or as in China, Chairman Mao enforced. Out with the old. The old history. The old traditions. The old customs. The old way of dressed. It all must be destroyed. Then insist that every facet of entertainment and culture needs to be constantly obsessed with social justice. Radical progressivism. An example of this in general culture, and what is a real heartbreaker for yours truly, is to watch them turn a cultural icon like Star Wars inside out, completely upending the grand narrative in archetypal forms originally created by George Lucas. Destroy it. Deconstruct it. And then, move on to faith. The mainline denominations, mainline Methodists, Lutherans, Episcopalians, are pretty much already gone, with the congregation shrinking exponentially. But the evangelicals, now they are an active and inspired bunch. What a powerful conservative voting block they are. If you want to guarantee the top-down, find a way to strategically move the evangelicals and reformed to embrace equity policy, embrace concepts such as critical race theory, unconscious bias and racism, intersectionality, systemic racism, equity, sexual identification issues, and begin to place all of this in a neatly packaged new dogmatic religious performance crib of intersectionality. As a matter of fact, here is what you do. Remember our strategic categories and the methods for strategic change across the societal and political realm? Well, just put those into place across each religious denomination. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, in each affected evangelical Protestant, or let's say even if you're looking outside of Protestantism into Roman Catholic hierarchy, follow the same methodology, because these are sophisticated governmental bodies. In each Christian denomination, start with number one, top down. Ensure that the progressives that will push your agenda are in the top positions of power. In the seminaries, where the leaders will proliferate progressive grievance studies with an intersectional framework. In the creation of teaching materials that will be disseminated to all of the churches. In key corporate board positions. In the leadership of the denomination in the major outreach organizations, in the major youth and campus organizations across Christianity. Make sure that you push in the concepts of critical race theory, intersectionality, unconscious bias and racism, systemic racism, equity, and sexual identification ideas. That's how you do it. Number two, just as you would be doing politically in other realms, bottom up. And where those in key positions in the denomination in the top down 
On the bottom up, will either enhance scandals going on in their denominations, or will create scandals ex nihilo that will mirror almost exactly the same bottom up fertile fallacies being pushed in the political governmental realm. The hashtag Church Two movement, the woke church movement, the racially tinged movements that demand that churches hold unconscious bias training. Tear down monuments, replace names on buildings, erase history of places of education. Destroy it all. Tell folks in churches that what they used to rally against, abortion, infanticide. See, this really shouldn't be their greatest concern anymore. Out with the old. And here comes the new dystopian utopia. And then the middle. Demand that the culture of church must be changed. State that anyone that supports the current presidential administration is an alt-right, hate-filled, misogynistic bigot. You see, because secretly, this has nothing to do with theology. This is a grand political movement disguised as a theological movement. Create false dichotomies between conservative candidates and progressive candidates so you can tell your faithful followers to vote for the progressives. and Don't worry about the consequences. Explain that the way in which we have read scripture was done through a lens of bigotry that we weren't even aware of. And if we deconstruct scripture just a little... We can see that we have wrongly oppressed so many, and we now need equity policy in our church leadership, regardless of what Scripture exegetically states. Insist that your congregations must view human sexuality through a new progressive lens. Instead of pro-life issues being about protecting the unborn, explain that the pro-life issue is about promoting and assisting with the unchecked, unvetted, uncontrolled mass migration of entire nations into the United States. Now also, along the line, you want to ensure that those coming into the U.S. will immediately receive benefits and education normally reserved for citizens, and that, in the future, those folks will vote for those benefits without valuing the sacrifice necessary to fund the benefits. Oh, and make sure that the public doesn't get wind of the hundreds of millions being paid to Christian denominations participating in the placing of migrants in the United States communities. You see, this is all a political move, disguised as a theological move. This is the how, and sadly, this is happening right now. But here is the thing. It's a paper tiger. What those in leadership in the Christian denominations that are attempting to make these massive societal and civilizational changes are banking on is that the citizens and members of their churches, the faithful, will stay silent and fearful as the new dogmatics are being put into place. They are hoping that those in their states in their voting booths, and in their churches will fear the possibility of being called a bigot 
a racist, or a xenophobe. But if the people of this country and the people who are truly godly will cast fear aside and do what is right, this could all change. You, that's listening right now, you need to stand for what is right. You need to stand for future generations. You need to stand for this nation and the freedoms and liberties given to us and preserved for us through oceans of blood of generations before us. If you are a Christian, you need to stand for the faith once and for all handed down to the saints, standing on the shoulders of those who would say, Here I stand. I can do no other. If we will stand against this monstrous betrayal on every level, then we will preserve the blessings that have been given to us for future generations. And if we don't, if we don't, our only recourse will be to sit upon the millions of bodies that have given their lives for our freedoms. We will forget their sacrifice and then silently weep for the coming darkness in the progressive dystopian future. Do you have the courage to stand? Are you fearful of being known as someone who is not nice when your nation is being attacked, your children's future is at risk, and the bride of Christ is being molested? The choice is yours. Right now, regardless of your age, your physical condition, your financial situation, or your marital situation, you need to ask yourself this one question. What are you made of? And secondly, what are you going to do about it? I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been The Causes of Things.